I'm Billy Hoyle, producer slash player of the year, and this is Dingo Talk. Everyone has a story to tell. Welcome to Dingo Talk, where we explore the experiences that make us who we are. Here's your host, Carlo Guadagnino. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest this week is the Prime Minister of Holiday Park, the Holly, the Holiday Park heartthrob, Billy Hoyle. But I know him. You know him as Anthony Bowser. Anthony Bowles. I'm not going to call you Anthony. I won't do that. Bowser, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So Bowser is kind of a man of as uh, many trades. Trade the the one that's closest to your heart, I think, is the is your 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 producing work and what you My do. Music. But you also have a career outside of music in in the professional world in the in the business world, basically. Correct. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, what we do normally every week is we start with this kid from Holiday Park in Plumborough, Pennsylvania, as a senior in high school, two three sport athlete. Um, how did you end up deciding to go to Bethany and why did you decide to go to Bethany for soccer? Um, just bad luck mainly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I played football, basketball and ran track in high school for Plum. And then outside of that, I played cup soccer for a few different teams. Um, yeah, originally, like, I, I would say probably football was my main focus. And that was kind of what my, I would say, my family and I had emphasis on for going to college. And, and that was kind of my plan. It was, like, all kind of intertwined with that. And, uh, yeah, just at uh, a certain point, my shoulders couldn't really take it. I started playing full contact football when I was, like, four and a half. And around my sophomore year of high school, my shoulders just started to like kind of give. And uh, I was more so my junior year, I guess, but I was uh, I was getting looks at that point. I'd been getting looks and uh, yeah, my senior year, I, I just had, uh, I had some meetings like actually during basketball season. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to have surgery to like continue my career. And the first person said, hey, we can do the surgery, but it's it's like not going to do anything. You're just like polishing turds at this point. So uh, I didn't I didn't really want to like take that. Or I, I don't know. I don't even remember if I cared at that point what I did after that. Like I was so far removed from it all. Like it, it all just seemed like such a hassle. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we got a second opinion from Dr. Rogel, who was the orthopedic surgeon for the Steelers at the time. I don't know how we got in with him, but I, I guess I made the list somehow. And he just, he told me more or less that like, this is, there, there was just nothing they could do. Anything would be pointless. Um, I don't know if they had any, if there was a specific name. I was like pretty tuned out at this point. Because, like, the dude was just telling me, like, anything you ever planned to do was out the window. So, like, you know, I, at the time, I, I think I was just, like, a little shell-shocked. But uh, I just had, like, too much looseness in all of my joints. And it was going to be a natural progression that, like, even without football at a certain point, I was going to lose, like, even this mm -hmm. range of motion. But he, he just pretty much told me then, he was like, 
the route you're on now, like if you stop playing football right now or stop playing all sports, probably about like at 40 years old, this like you'll lose that and you'll be here. He was like, but if you keep playing football, he was like, you could, you know, you could lose an arm, (laughs) like some shit like that. Like it just, the head of this humerus had broken and there was just like so much debris and my arm would come out of the socket when I would be sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I would like wake up with a dislocated shoulder at the time and shit. So I had surgery to tighten it up, but I guess that's, you know, I played soccer too. And, and Bethany, uh, Bethany was happy to have me come play soccer for him. So. And, and you weren't going down there alone. If I remember correctly, I, you traveled down there with the bull. Yeah. So I traveled down there with Sam Lukava. Yeah. Yeah. I still remember my first visit mine and Sammy's first visit to Bethany to visit. Um, I had already visited a bunch of schools, but like none of those schools were like really on the table anymore. Mm -hmm. So I was, I had like, I had kind of a short amount of time to figure out what I was going to do. And Bethany was, was one of those schools that offered physical education, which is, you know, what what I was planning to do at that point in my life. And, um, you know, it, it was it was slim pickings. We went to visit and it was a day like today. It was snowing. It was weird. We're driving into the the mountains. We're coming from Westminster. It's me, my uncle Dan, my grandfather and uh, and Sammy. And so it was already kind of a long day mm-hmm. and maybe like 15 minutes into the visit. My uncle was like, you guys want to get out of here? So we skipped. And uh, me and Sammy are in the back of the car, happy as shit. And uh, we're both like, we're never fucking going to school there. you know. <laughs> and then like, you know, a few months later, the options are looking thinner. And, and we both ended up at Bethany. <laughs> Not to make it like that, but, you know. <laughs> so... At that point, when you make it to Bethany, have you already started to get yourself into the music industry? Is that where the blog starts or is that a couple years still down the road? No, that happened at Bethany. Okay. Um, I was just, you know, I'm, you know, trying to make light of it the best that I can, but it it was a pretty, it was a really confusing time and it, it kind of took me getting away from that period of my life that kind of maybe extended a little bit longer than I would have liked to in reflection um it I was just really lost and really confused like my identity so much of my self-worth was wrapped up in sports and not only not only just like sports but uh you know maybe standing out of the pack a little bit more than other people at sports and uh and it really being all i did you know high school i would go from directly from from school during football season straight to football practice after football practice i would go to cup soccer like i I was just constantly in at least two seasons if not three Mm -hmm. and i also did did well very well in school up until a certain point where I just started mailing it in and uh you know the writing was just kind of on the wall I, I was just like I I feel like I can pretty much do whatever I want to do in this school and I'm going to be good you know 
Um, so school, but you know, I was just a busy kid and, uh, yeah, I have absolutely no idea where I was going with that. So, but music filled when the, when the void that was left sure. by athletics sure. leaving music filled yeah. that void. Yeah. And it wasn't like a completely new thing. I had mm -hmm. been in band and playing instruments since I was fourth grade. Okay. Further testament to how busy of a child I was. Um, I started off playing trombone for fourth and fifth grade. And then in sixth grade, I started playing drums. And then I, you know, I, I played drums throughout, throughout middle school and high school when I continued playing my free time, but mm -hmm. never really took it serious. I, I didn't even really look at it as a skill that you could improve upon the same way I did sports. And I was just, I was like, oh, I'm not naturally, I was like, I'm terrible at this, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't really realize it at the time, but when I was getting into blogging and starting to look at like music and how I could fit in. And, and I originally looked at a kind of journalism. That's kind of how this whole like second act for me after sports kind of begun. Well, when you started, how did you build that product? How did you get yourself involved in being down at ID labs and being involved in the Pittsburgh hip hops and the music scene in general? How did you end up? Why? Or yeah, not why, but how, how did you get yourself in there? Uh, time bomb, really. Just it at that point in time, like any culture in Pittsburgh that that hip hop had, or, or that Pittsburgh had within the culture of hip hop, mm -hmm. it came from Time Bomb and it came from Brick, and that just like you could, I could feel that in the air. Like I always had that scent in my nose, even in high school, and just like once I had a little bit more freedom, I was in college 18, I was able to get down just the East Liberty shady side more frequently. And I was just around. And um, fortunately, I, I have a personality or I had a personality at the time that was fairly agreeable, I would say with most people, not to be like that. But um, yeah, I was just able to mesh in and I just wanted to be involved, bro. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I always had it in my mind that what I was going to do was be a, um, was get into production. And I saw that there was a scene in Pittsburgh. I saw how important it was to everyone. And um, I didn't know it existed and I was really excited. And I just got involved down there and I met all these incredible people that I'm still friends with the same way I am with you or, Sean Blattenberger, Kyle Simmons, um, you know, and I've created this whole other chapter. You know. Well, and it's interesting you bring up Blattenberger. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Kyle Simmons, who just had on the birth of their child. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a story here, you know, Blatt just got married and there was something with the, while we're still in Bethany, before we leave Bethany, Blattenberger's job and Bethany kind of came to meet each other there a little bit, huh? Yeah, sure. So as much as I like to speak about Bethany disparagingly now, mainly just because I know how much you enjoy it and I'm an asshole, um, I, I was really, really excited to get there. I was really excited to play soccer there. And like, I have such fond memories of Bethany. Like, you know, I spent I spent more time there after I had gotten kicked out than I did when I when I was supposed to be there. And it was really because of the people you know, and, and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I had to get up Bethany a little bit early in the summer and 
fortunately, Sammy was up there getting ready for football when I was there for soccer camp. And Sean, my best friend, um, who we played basketball with, was going to the Navy and he needed a certain security clearance. So like my first week in the dorms that like classes had been started, the FBI came to visit me to, to do that security clearance, dude. And like, obviously I was shook as hell, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what they're coming in to ask. Like Sean was kind of like, there was such a quick transition in Sean from like, what what we knew him as in high school to like you know you get into the military you're going to change yeah uh rapidly and he he was like very casual about the fact that it was the fucking fbi you know i was just like man like that's heavy for me like the fbi is coming to the crib right now like i'm (laughs) not ready for this and um and like Everyone in, like, most, it was a sports dorm, so a lot of the people knew me already, but there was a few people that didn't, and, uh, you know, it was was a small dorm, you know how Bethany is, so it was very clear that there was, like, you know, I kind of put the word out, too, I was like, look, you know, like, nothing weird's going on, but, like, you know, my Black Suburbans pull up, calm down, we're gonna be all right. I just kind of told people straight up, I was like, my buddy's going to the Navy, like they have to come interview me for that. It's nothing more than that. Cause I certainly didn't want someone seeing an FBI agent walking into my room and 15 minutes later walking out, you know what I'm saying? So I, yeah. I kind of put the word out there. I had enough sense at the time to do that, but <laughs> she just asked me kind of questions like, you know, did Sean drink in high school? Did Sean smoke in high school? And he didn't smoke, but like, you know, he drank a little bit and, uh, I just told him he didn't. I was like, nah, he doesn't drink. Like, you know, that's my dog. But nah, he, you know, he doesn't get down like that. He's underage. He wouldn't do it. <laughs> no and crimes were committed. Yeah, yeah. I was I was like really hyped for myself. Like, I, I called Sean right after. I was like, bro, I had your back so heavy. Like, I lied to him. And he was like, oh, for real? Like, I told him the truth. Steve told him the truth. They like, they don't care that you drink in high school. And I, and I immediately was just like, man, like, the FBI just knows that I lie my ass off unabashedly all of the time. Like, that's their only experience with me is me just there just sitting there lying like a motherfucker. So, yeah, yeah the FBI visited me at Bethany and, like, that definitely set the tone for me at Bethany with a couple of people. And, uh, yeah, man, Bethany, was, was it was a short ride, but it was a wild one for me for sure. When – I think you and I and the the Alpha Sigs that were around at the time will be the only ones that get this joke, but there are still people at Bethany looking for Hutch. So just yeah, in I case, just in I case people are still thinking yeah. that Mr. Hutchinson is not going to graduate. I'm not, I'm not saying it, it, it's anything to brag about by any means, but <laughs> for a short period of time, like I just like, I did have this weird, uh ability to like make things happen in this college town for like absolutely no reason bro like i wasn't a real person there you know what i'm saying like i wasn't a real person at all i just got here and very quickly i was like this place is cool i rock with the people but i don't know how like i don't know how i'm gonna survive here it was my first time like i was uh i was under pretty tight lock and key as a kid you know so it was just interesting to see that play out and I just knew it right away 
right away I was in over my head. <laughs> so when you leave Bethany, why the decision to go to Slippery Rock? Um, they had my major and I felt like, I felt like I could, my uncle and I felt like I could play soccer there. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as soccer was kind of like, I hate to say a secondary sport for me, but like not really my prime focus. Um, I, I never necessarily made that decision. Like soccer was one of my favorite sports because I, I hate to phrase it like this, but I, I felt like it was kind of the only sport I was allowed to have fun playing. Mm-hmm. And it was because like no one in my family valued it the same way they did va- They valued other sports. So yeah. I felt a little free there. Um, and I thought that would be a really cool challenge. Um, I thought I was going to play division one football. I didn't, I played division three soccer. Um, it was, it was, it was really good competition. And that just made me even more excited to try to play soccer at Slippery Rock. Cause even though I wasn't at Bethany for very long and soccer wasn't my main sport, I did play very well there. And um, at least in my opinion, I, I, I got a chance to see how I played against kids who played soccer the same way I played football in high school who were playing at the college level. And uh, I got to see how that field, I, I was just excited to play that at Slippery Rock, um, try to walk on at Slippery Rock. And I did do that. I made like the practice squad, ultimately decided like not to really continue it. I just, it was, it was a challenge for me. It was mm-hmm. like, it was like my swan song <laughs> kind of for sports. And, and that's really how I ended up at Slippery Rock. Now the music follows you to, to Slippery Rock, right? Yeah. I mean, well, because the I mean, question, I, there's a follow-up to that, is what influences changed from Bethany to Slippery Rock? What was the influences for you, or was did was there a change? I mean, bro, it, like, I wasn't going to college. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I had, there was no point in me in me being in school whatsoever mm-hmm. like the physical location that i was in i was going to be doing the same thing no matter what and that was music yeah um slippery rock worked out nice because when people would go on tour i happened to be an easy person to pick up and go to places in ohio or places in new york or erie it played out well there but like I don't know, bro. Like I wasn't in school. Like that wasn't, that wasn't what I was doing. I was just appeasing my family and accruing debt. Um, I made a lot of good things happen out of me going to college. I don't want to say that. I don't, I don't regret it at all. But like at that time, it was just like, if this is where you need me to be until you get the point, then this is where I'll be. And, you know, they eventually figured out what it was hitting for, but you know, well, and now that we're at this point, most of you that listen to the beginning of the show will be noticing that we are no longer using the original intro song that we had had, which this guy right here created, I don't know, 2012. Ten years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was my first yeah. radio intro at Bethany. It was the first thing yeah. we used. Um, and you'll notice that we have a new song that comes from the same guy. Um, yeah. What? was the inspiration behind putting out this the, the tape that i that, that you put out that in, inevitably i ended up um getting the yachts on a on the mon 
pulling out that sound. Um, the inspiration, uh, the name of the, the title of the project is, it's an instrumental album. It's called From the Soil. Um, it stemmed from, I, I had been using the same laptop since I started making beats in like 2008 up until about August of this year. And <laughs> something that happens when you get a new laptop is, is you get a chance to start over and be better organized and learn to back up your files because you lose things and you just kind of mm -hmm. move smarter. And um, when you delay yourself in getting a new computer because you're comfortable and you use a computer for 10, 10 years and you make thousands of pieces of music that only 0.001% of exists in the world and you lose all of that and you didn't have it backed up because everyone told you and you're an asshole that doesn't listen to people that know better than you. It's, <laughs> it's a really humbling thing, man. Like I had like my, uh, yeah, I, I just, I had, a, I had a lot of music on there and mm -hmm. a lot of that music um, was already recorded on by artists that I would really appreciate <laughs> the music coming out, but I don't have the files anymore <laughs> to give them that music. So that music can be properly mixed, mastered and mm. delivered the way it should be. Um, so I just like, I lost, I just, lo I lost a lot. You know, it felt like I had lost a lot and I was just, I let myself sulk for, for kind of like two months because I just, I had been running so hard the last three years putting out music putting out projects uh being back and forth from chicago having an artist from chicago stay at my small apartment in pittsburgh for four months going to the studio so this is just like a purge kind of old music it's mm -hmm. going to be i'm going to keep releasing them and it's i've kind of crafted it at this point to just kind of be I don't, I don't have the, I don't make time really to like, I, I'm not great at staying connected with uh, old friend and old friends and, and people I really care about and would really like to know how they're doing and, and give them more of how I'm doing and who I am now. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting part of playing the role as a producer most of the time is, is you're, you're a support player. You know, I'm I'm there to make the artist look good. Yeah, um, that's where I've I, I like to give myself a lot of credit. Why a lot of artists from other parts of the country and other parts of the world even uh, come to Pittsburgh or reach out to just a kid from Holiday Park to work on it, to work mm -hmm. on Adidas commercials, to work on their intro tour music or their albums. Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's that time of year, buddy. It's that time of year. Yeah, I'm battling the cold, but um, 
I'm sorry, that made me lose my train of thought or where I was building. Oh, you know, it's just kind of like to, to check in with people and be like, hey, this, you know, this is who I am now. Hey, what's going on? This is what it sounds like. You probably remember I was making music in, in 2008. Maybe we haven't spoke, you know, this is what it looks like. You know, I'm a different person than last time a lot of people saw me in this, in this facet, you know. Well, and I didn't tell you, when, so when we put the intro together, um i picked that song and and you know you we we had talked earlier this week and you would ask me kind of what why that why it was that particular one and the reason behind that is i get like old jazz like you just walked into a jazz club like the scene where the in every movie where the doors open and you hear the music in the background and it's just that smooth jazz beat and it's nice and it, i think it changes the uh the way that people will perceive the show as not so much in your face but more of just a conversation where we can all relax and and get to know the person that's on the show that's so. awesome i i love hearing you know what um i know what i put into my music um i know the headspace that i i'm in i i know what i'm trying to like communicate with people when i do that that track originally was in, for an artist out of Alabama who goes by the name Sequence, who sought me out um, from some work I've, I've done um, over the years with, with some popular artists from Pittsburgh that he's been a fan of. And he sought me out, which is always exciting for people to come to you that are, are familiar with other people that you've worked with or work you've done. And um, what you what you took away from it is exactly what that track ended up being. That's one of those tracks we're not going to get to hear, um, unfortunately, because things just went the way that they did. Mm -hmm. um, but it found a, it found a great home. You know, that's that's the thing with this project is I wanted all of these this music to live, like because mm -hmm. it was just gonna die with that computer, and I was cool with that. And I was going to continue going about my business and things were going to go the way they were. And uh, I was like, why waste it? You know, yeah. why, you know, this is 10 years of my life. Uh, so why, why not, why not showcase that to people is just myself. So. Well, and now that we're, we're, we're fully into to your music. Um, what would you say? So let's go back to blogging first. What was, uh, who was the, the, what's the most memorable artist stands out to you interview you did or piece that you did that, that stands out for you that, that really hits home. I mean, just, just, you know, Mac, Mac and Mac and BD. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I only led with Mac because, you know, Russ and peace, he's, he's gone now. And, um, but yeah, really that, that's, uh, I had, I met, I met those dudes and like my whole group of friends that extends um, from them mm -hmm. who all grew up together. I, I was kind of like the outcast, especially being from Plum Borough, uh, which all of them had kind of heard, but had these like weird ideas about that I didn't really match up with. But um, yeah, those two really, because um, I got to, you know, I got to see both of them uh just blossom and be mm -hmm. there and i got to i got to see a lot of really special things unfold that were really 
you know, once in a million lifetimes to get to, to get to be there to see. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that's why Bethany always held such a special heart or place in my heart, because that's where I was going to school when I met those dudes mm-hmm. and, and got involved in everything. And when I brought BD and Tip at Plermo and, and JJ, JKJ up to Bethany, like, it was such like a cool, like, look at what I look, look what I created out of this, this, uh, this college dorm, you know, and like, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I was so lost with, mm-hmm. uh, with just out having sports and, you know, I downplay it, but, um, Bethany, like just allowed me the space that like, I was far enough away from Pittsburgh that my my family wasn't there every day or every weekend but i was close enough that i still had my support system but for me to figure out who i was and um you know that's not just like that's not a geograph geographical location that allowed me to do that that was the group of people that i found in bethany that i became friends with the the same people that you became friends with and why bethany is such a special place to you You well and and with that why why bring them back to bethany i guess is the question i mean once because like bd and tip and jkj and and ads coming down i think ads was that was one of his first performances down there yeah for sure rest in peace my dog ads absolutely why bring them to bethany was that just because we had the we kind of both had the idea and it you know what i mean we you had the people i had the let's do a concert on greek hill and it just kind of flourished yeah, honestly, um, you know, honestly, with all due respect to like to Bethany and everything at the time and to myself, I, I just really honestly, until you brought it up, it wasn't even in the realm of possibilities of something I'd, I'd be able to accomplish. So I'd really, you know, I had very little to do with that other than being the bridge and being able to communicate for be a mouthpiece for you and my friends to make sure that you know everybody walked away happy from that situation um i you know again that that credit is to you but uh yeah i don't i don't know why bethany you because you brought it to me i i didn't know and you really opened up this door to me where i was like oh i don't i don't necessarily have to have the resource i just have to have the plug to the resource and like because of other things um just like you know other experiences in my life i understood a hundred percent like that made that click and i started to be able to move in a, a way different way and i got to continue to be around people not to put it that way but like you know when you start making things like you know sometimes people got to trim back the fat so to say and uh i just i always found a way to uh to find my place with people like i'm friends but i can also i can find out a way to like to make this look a certain way sexy you know mm-hmm. however you need it to look and i can get you in contact with these people and uh you know that's that's just kind of who i i became for for people yeah I mean, that's who you were for for a kid from Char Valley that came over and got his ass beat for I don't know eighteen weeks in one on one. I got close one I, game. I got close one game. It, it, I think you let me get close, but I mean, that's why I'm the player of the year, though. That's <laughs> that's always been it. So, I I want to know 
three people that influence you the most influence and not just right now just in your life as a whole the three most influential people and and why they were influential for you i mean bro i get influenced by everything like <laughs> people inanimate objects just like thoughts mm -hmm. you know obviously it, it's tough for me to kind of say three because so many people did but like um I mean, I can't not say my grandparents, you know, my grandma, my grandfather. Um, I was raised by them and not, you know, there's a pretty big age gap there, obviously. And uh, they uh, they grew up in the Glen Hazel projects. Like mm -hmm. my whole family grew up in Glen Hazel projects and in Larmer. So like everyone in my family is like, we have a big extended family. I, you know how, you know, you know how things are, you know, my family. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely them. Like they, uh, they didn't always understand me, but they, uh, they allowed like, we had an understanding within that, that like we could agree to a disagree. Mm -hmm. And I never like shied away from letting them know what I was passionate about even when it made absolutely no sense to them or really anything else. Like, especially kids, people just see you, people, you know, they just see what they see. So they yeah. just see some white kid from Holiday Park, like being involved in a culture that wasn't inherently or naturally in the environment I grew up in. Um, and that's hard to understand, but I, you know, I sample a lot in my music and, uh, yeah, that, that influence directly is from my grandparents. When I was young, I'm, I'm sampling the music that they showed me that most kids my age didn't get a chance to listen to because their parents weren't the same age mine were. Mm -hmm. And when I was a kid, that wasn't like, uh, that didn't make me very cool. You know what I mean? That I didn't know anything that was going on kind of in popular culture. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was pigeonholed into that. Kind of, I, I allowed myself to be pigeonholed my entire life in plum. Um, and they allowed me to grow. They didn't understand it, mm -hmm. but I explained it to them. I was like, look, Kanye West sampled this song that I used to get bullied for and hip hop's cool. Now I can be cool. You know, I can. I got you. I can find. I can find my place in this world finally. You know, and uh, so my grandparents for sure. Mm -hmm. And then the the reason it, it makes it it tough to be three is, you know, it's just my family. It's you know, it takes a village. Um, <laughs> it takes a village to raise a kid, and it could still produce an idiot. You know, as I, as I'm testing <laughs> to. Shout out to Rock Marciano on that board. But, um, you know, it was my aunt and my uncle, too. And it was my cousins, my extended family. Like, uh, shit was just a little hectic in my household growing up. You know, because my mom still lived with us. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can imagine if someone's mom's living with them, but they're being raised by their grandparents. Just, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it, there were just those challenges and it's hard to just like pick a third person, my aunt, my uncle, my cousin, you know, so That's I would good. just say my family for all three. Well, now in, in your music, 
what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? And how are you working to fix that? Or maybe, maybe not fix it, but make it not a challenge, yeah. I guess. I mean, honestly, I, I'm just going to keep getting better because I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Mm -hmm. Like there's like, I don't, I don't want to say it in like a head ass or like an arrogant way, but there's just, there's, there's not like a challenge. There's just like these areas for growth. I know where I need to grow and I know what that looks like when the time is right. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing right now, you know? So I'm just going to keep doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. When and not to not to toot your horn here, but you've you've kind of self marketed yourself from, you know, the time I met you in two thousand and eight to who you are today, and your the marketing side of you has has gotten better. It seems like you're learning these the social media platforms and how to use YouTube and Google and how did that how did you get involved in that and wanting to be good at it? Because I mean, there's a lot of people that market that aren't great. There's a lot of people that are good and there's not, there's some people that aren't, I'm not one of them. I'm trying to market, but we're, we're getting better. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I, uh, as far as getting into like the social media side of things, it, it was just, I, I didn't get, I didn't start using social media with this intention um, but with working into time bomb and blogging, it was something that I kind of maybe took more serious at times than other people. And for me, if, if I can find like a game or like a puzzle, like you can, I'll, I'll be entertained forever, you know, mm -hmm. and social media is a puzzle that it's like forever evolving. Um, so I understood social media and I was doing it for other people. You know, I do a lot of digital marketing and consulting for people. Um, the, the real challenge back then was how do I apply this to myself? Um, and I was just holding myself back. I, I was really afraid to like show uh, all these people who I was, especially because I have a lot of family on there, like extended cousins that like have probably been around me hundreds of times in their life and only ever heard me say four words <laughs> and then if they follow me on instagram or twitter it's just like i mean you know what it looks like people can go look to see what it looks like it's uh well there was a, a pretty uh, shocking tweet went out today everybody you had you had the twitter world going i mean elon made everybody go nuts yesterday but you this afternoon everybody you might have broke the twitter I think Elon preemptively tried to shut down Twitter to stop this from happening. But, you know, <laughs> I things agree. Are a little, things like crossed the line last night with sheets. I don't really want to go into too much detail about it just because honestly, like I, I'm just a guy who likes to joke around on the internet. I don't want to see anything bad happen to them. Like there's a community in Elworth city right now that if you look them up, they really are really are like anti like they're they're putting a sheets into that community and people are not happy about it you know what i mean i i'm not one of those people and i'm not trying to mobilize them by any means um it started off as a joke and it still is a joke i just like to have fun i also have a song with like 
my collaborators and friends, BD, Big Germ, and Bill Waves, uh, called Get Go. So like Get Go and Sheets are natural adversaries. So I just found, I just found like my my best thoughts. If anyone is listening to this and cares what I have to say whatsoever, my absolute best thoughts are um are the ones where I'm like, oh, this is going to be so fucking stupid if I do this. <laughs> like, if I pull this off, this is going to be so fucking stupid. People aren't, there's no way people can't get the joke. There's no way they can't think it's funny. Um, and, and like, I find a lot of people have those thoughts and a lot of people shut them down. It's a natural progression into adulthood. We're, <laughs> we're like conditioned to do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can't be dreamy. I just fortunately can like I have a skill to be able to compartmentalize those two things and I can like access one when I need to and when I'm not accessing it it's recharging and vice versa so I can tap into that so I just saw the opportunity to market that in that way and then um it was going to just kind of be shortened to the point it was I wasn't going to bring like King's Family Restaurant into it either but again like you know, the album I just put out is about Plumboro. All these things just intertwine. And that's what happens when, like, you present who you authentically are to people, mm-hmm. you know, consistently. Is that what that's what you can do? I've been making the same jokes about Sheets, Miami subs, fucking the O Smarty Artie since I was eight years old. Like, why would I not be doing that on Instagram? You know what I'm saying? Like, but I used to be afraid to share that side with people because it's weird as fuck. You know, the shit's strange. <laughs> shit's definitely strange, and it's definitely not for anyone. But Well, we got to give the like people, where can they find it. you? Uh, Billy, B-I-L-L-Y, underscore, Hoyle, <laughs> H-O-Y-L-E, 412, on, like, everything. You can just, like, Google Billy Hoyle Pittsburgh or Billy Hoyle Producer, and all that stuff's gonna come up too, but I don't like explaining it that way. But those are the way you can find me on things. Well, tie that all together. People, when we told you he blogged, there's a reason he's Billy Hoyle, because white men can't blog. Am I oh, right? Hell now? yeah. Hell yeah. Now I make music the white man can't bump. <laughs> Shout out to oh. your old Drew for that bar. That's a year old Drew bar. And it's great because in hip hop, well, like one of the shitty. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm out of pocket right now. I'm wilding, dude. Like, I'm so charged up from this sheet shit. Like, <laughs> first off, salute and shout out Get Go. Y'all are the real Yenzer treasure. You know what I'm saying? I don't know Coming what I'm from talking Giant about. Eagle. Yeah, my bad. I don't know what I'm talking about when I'm saying I don't have a personal problem with sheets. I absolutely have a personal problem with sheets. I have a personal problem with sheets putting a my my look we don't have shit in the suburbs people love to shit on it and i get defensive about it but it's just like so lacking of any type of culture like mom and pop or anyone who's been there for more than 15 years because it's all just so trendy and recycled and the same bullshit that doesn't matter anywhere there's all these little plum burrows you know what i mean i fucking love plum I love the people with within it and who I know from there. But like some people get so trapped into not being able to see like 
you know, and just fall into the motions of mm-hmm. that everyday life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not what I, I, I want right now. I, I don't. I'm playing a character. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forget that people are watching this as like, I'm not like really playing a character. This is who I am. But I forget people are going to watch this that have known me since I was five <laughs> years old. And just haven't talked to me since I was 18 years old. And I didn't talk much. And now I'm just like spewing like this this idiotic rhetoric like anti sheets as if yeah as if I care about any of it like you know what I mean I have bills to pay dog that's what this shit's always about is that I have bills to pay um <laughs> I hope Ron that. Richards fucking watches this he's just gonna be so fucking confused dude um, that dude has it coached me in basketball for eight years and has no idea who I am and I <laughs> I, I, I talk about him I talk about him all the time to people you know what I mean I'm always talking about Richards <laughs> oh, so trying to bring this back Bowser, it's, if you dude, can, it's off the rails I don't know why you're trying to bring it back bro. if you could be because I think this question is going to send you off into another rabbit hole if you could be remembered for one thing what would it be and why Oh my god. Um <laughs> honestly, honestly, I, I would just like to be remembered like the biggest thing is I would I would like people to just remember me for always being myself. And I'd like the the people that I am like kind of speaking about that are probably like maybe confused or just like think I'm a lunatic, just like understand that I, I'm I've always just been myself. This is just like the natural evolution of a kid that was like, <clears throat> not to get, not to like pivot too hard, but you know, I, you know, up until, up until like, honestly, like about like junior year of high school, like I was a pretty withdrawn person mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of sports. Like sports were really the only place that I could be myself. I wasn't myself in the hallways or, or talking with people. I, I didn't really know how to be because like, you know, I was a unique kid. I came from a unique situation and there weren't very many unique kids in Plum and and Plum didn't, in my opinion, necessarily celebrate much uniqueness. Um, Especially when I was young and kids were kind of, you know, they didn't mean anything. Kids are just kids. I don't have like grudges against anybody. I'm not like crossing names off. You're not the guy from Billy Madison crossing. Yeah, shout out Steve Buscemi. Shout out my little homie Steve Buscemi one time. What's up, dog? Glad you're still glad to still see you're doing that acting thing. Um, you're doing pretty well at it. Good yeah. to see that took off for he you. He just he's just doing he's just doing his acting to supplement his life as a firefighter in New York City. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about. All right. Well, I think that's a good point. We've we've gone as far off the rails as we can go. There's this is the last question for you. What question do you wish I would have asked you, and what would your answer have been? I honestly I can't believe that we're at the end of this already. I feel like I'm just getting started. I almost want to start over. I feel like honestly, if we started over, you'd give the people such a good podcast. And if we did it, you could still put this one out, but you still might have the second podcast, or you could do a two-part. 
But look, if you want to end it now, if you want to end this opportunity for yourself now, look, far be it from me to give you any more of my time. Don't get me wrong. I have plenty. I'm just playing, bro. You I'm see how this any, goes. This is any. this is the Anthony Bowser I've been dealing with since I was a sophomore in high school. Oh, you don't want to hang you out? Can, oh, okay, man. Okay. We just played six hours of basketball, but all right, you got you got to go eat. I understand. My bad, bro. I, I honestly I don't mean to make light of it. I, I just I can't not I can't not be goofy with you. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. You're my boy. I've known you since we were like and I coached you in basketball. You did. You know, <laughs> I coached you in basketball. It's it's hard not to have fun with you and the answers because I always have fun with you. I don't mean to make light of anything. Not at all. I, I, I absolutely appreciate your platform. I tune in all the time. I was listening to Kyle's episode last night. I was listening to Coach Richard's episode. Like, you know, I love it. I talk to you about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. But and Coach questions? Richards, please, please reach out to Anthony Bowser. He thinks that you he thinks that you forgot about him. Just let him know that you're still there and you you care. Honestly, I I, I don't think I'd be able to handle you reaching out. <laughs> I like there needs to be a, there needs to be like a a gap between me and Coach. Like we, the three of us would have to meet up. I, I wouldn't be able to handle him. I have nightmares, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, Ron was a special – he was a special type of guy. Let's leave it – put it that way. I mean, I, I, I appreciate – the reason I, I started this question with I wish we could talk more because there are more things I would like to talk about. And as much as I like to co- uh, joke about Mr. – or Coach Richards, I almost called him – do you see how bad that PTSD is? I <laughs> – I, I knew not to call him coach, but I almost called him Mister still. Um, but I, you know, he played a big role in my life, and I, I appreciated who he was and who he was in those times, and you know, um, who I became because of lessons that he taught us as young men, and mm-hmm. and and everything like that. And he is a good dude, and he's someone I looked up to still to this day. There's. You know, I joke around about the time that he said uh, in summer, like, I don't ask you guys when you go home, like, hit the ground every time a pillow hits the floor, like it's a loose ball. You know, he had a great, he had such a great sense of humor. There was, yeah. there was a nice yeah. balance there of, um, of it being something serious and challenging, which I love, and, it, and him showing like a human size and side and being a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, shout out Ron. This is weird. Uh, I make music now. I make rap music now, which I don't think you ever could have foreseen. Um, they love the boy in LA. I know that's got to be crazy. What I am going to do is I'm going to have you back on towards, towards Christmas time. We'll bring you back. We'll give a month from now. We'll bring you back. Hey man, I'd love to do like a St. Bowser episode. I can just do we can do a little Christmas episode, talk about our family. I have a lot of thoughts on a lot of Christmas movies. I have, me and my brother-in-law have a, uh, a little tradition we do every, every Christmas Eve where we just watch like some really horrible Christmas horror movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to bring you in the fold or, or get something popping with us. So yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Before, we, before I say my thank yous <coughs> and what I, have to, what I have to do at the end here, what do you think of uh, Christmas Story Two coming out? I don't even know about it, bro. I don't. I'm like so tapped out of most of the things that are going on in the world. Like I live, 
some my own little world. I, I don't even know they're doing it for us. I just heard that they're doing a, a white men can't jump too with yep. Jack Harlow yeah. instead of me. I haven't talked about that publicly yet. Cause I just honestly, dude, it's a lot to process. It's a how they're not going to have you. I don't understand. How are they at least not going to give the nod, but shout out to my little bro, Jack Harlow. Shout out to my dog. I'm glad to see him doing this thing. I guess I think it's weird that he accepted the rule yeah. with us being close personal friends like that, but it, <laughs> I mean, to each their own, uh, it's not what I would have done, but there's a reason he's more successful than us. You know, <laughs> I guess it's because he doesn't mind turning his back on his friends. Uh, what are we talking about? Yeah, I'd love to do the Christmas thing. Christmas story too. It's going to suck. How could it not fucking blow? Maybe it will be good for like a new generation who can't connect to the old one. There's no chance I'm going to enjoy it. Already yeah. made up my mind. I won't change it for another 20 years until the third one comes out. <laughs> and I can say, oh, it's not nearly as good as the second one. You know, there's, I'm just a piece of shit. <laughs> All right. Well, so we know that Bowser's coming back in a month. For those of you that didn't know, this was the Thanksgiving episode. I'm also calling this little Friendsgiving. Oh, yeah. Since... Shout out to Thanksgiving, too, for sure. I forgot it was Thanksgiving. Shout out to my little dog, Charlie Brown. Yeah. My bad, bro. Go ahead. My and Lionel. Bad. Don't I'm forget sorry. Lionel. If you're going to throw out Charlie Brown, you cannot. <laughs> you're going to not give Lionel credit, man. He's over there playing his piano just trying to get by. Salute to, to the, salute to the general Lionel. I want to take a couple minutes to thank the people that have donated to the show. Franny Kovach, Tiger Warford, Jim Rice, uh, Jess Harler, Brian Sampson, Dan Shear, Doug Goyne, Colleen Mutchler, and Dino Amili, and Sam Hickson. Thank you guys very much. Without you, we wouldn't have the soundproofing boards up. We wouldn't have the lights that we have. Um, we wouldn't be getting ready and leaning towards an announcement that that's coming towards the end of the year, which is why we're going to bring Mr. Bowser back. He's part of that announcement. So we'll bring him back. And when we, when we bring him back, we'll get the rest of what he has to say. Hopefully him and sheets have amicably made up or he just maybe won't be welcome in sheets. So um, Bowser, thank you for joining us. Dude, it was absolutely my pleasure. Um, hopefully, <laughs> Hopefully next time we get to talk, um, I'm a little bit more composed how I normally like to be. I have had like media training <laughs> um, <laughs> in, in the sense of, of things like this, but I'm a little off the rails today with everything that happened with Sheets. And I do apologize for my behavior to any donors who might not uh, appreciate um, the way I behaved or, or anyone from the the staff. I'm I'm sure my my team, um, my manager, and my publicists are going to be getting phone calls from people after after this airs. So, I apologize ahead of time for my <laughs> social media staff that has to deal with the influx of people being upset with me, especially near the holidays when I normally like to give them times off. But times off. I'm such a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me, Carla. Thanks for having me. Honestly, I had so much fun. I can't wait to be back on and uh, for the holidays. And I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely, buddy. It was great to have you. You guys can find us everywhere that podcasts are, are produced, that you can find us on YouTube and then on social media. Everything is the same except for Instagram. It's dingo underscore talk instead of dingo talk. Uh, the, if you type in regular dingo talk, you're going to get a an Australian man who puts up pictures of dingoes and he... <laughs> 
discusses them. We we are not the same people. He uh, he does watch the show. He's my only viewer in Australia. So shout out to him. Um, but we're here every Thursday at ten a.m. Um, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for checking out this episode of Dingo Talk. Don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe. For more info and to contact the show, you can find us on Twitter at Dingo Talk.